Hello, everyone. <clears throat> Welcome to, the, I believe this will most likely be the final pod before I see you all in person here in about a week. So, uh, and thus concludes the intro session as well. So this one I don't imagine will be as long. This one will be primarily focused on kind of like head coaches, coordinators, how I think about those in general, in kind of like teams in general. Um, in their head coaches and kind of like how that uh, how that component of the NFL impacts my fantasy football analysis. So we'll get into it. So I think it's important <clears throat> to keep in mind that I, in my expert opinion, there's only about uh, six coaches with which I would consider to be what I call like enhancers of talent so I think most coaches you there are a few like what I would call like I would have put like Matt Patricia in like the he's actively hurting your the fantasy value of your players um you know I'd say there's not that many coaches Urban Meyer could fall into this camp Zach Taylor would have fallen this camp but um Adam Gase was another guy that fell into that camp um so you know, it, there's not as many out-and-out out dumpster fires at head coach that there's been in the past, so there's really not that many, but there's really only, and these aren't like six coaches that I, I think are good coaches. These are just six coaches who I think like, I want a piece of their offense because I trust their uh, their like offensive wizardry so much that it's like, it doesn't really matter who's in there, and this will kind of be useful for years to come too. So this is kind of like, you know, for this year, it might not be super useful, but like, let's say one of these six coaches moves on to another team, I would then immediately be interested in any of those players on that team. And I really think there's only six coaches. So, and I don't think there's going to be any like really surprising names here, maybe one or two, but for the most part, I think this tracks. Um, Andy Reid with Mahomes. I think Andy, Andy Reid is a real offensive wizard. Uh, love having a pieces of any of their offense. Not going to spend too much time on that. It's obvious why. Um, the second coach who I think who is kind of obvious we'll go through is Sean McVay. So, you know, this is why I think Stafford's not pretty much any contributor on that offense I think is worth looking at. So Darrell Henderson, Sony Michelle now as a, as a result of the trade, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Matthew Stafford, Higby. I just trust that that's going to be an offense that is always producing and so I think it's important to kind of, I always just want a piece of McVeigh at all times. So I think, again, I don't, I don't think that's like probably not too shocking, but I think it's just something, um, something to keep in mind. Another guy, um, this one might be a little bit more shocking, but, um, a guy I'm really starting to come around on is Brian Dayball and he's the coordinator of the bills i think the bills i think a lot of josh allen's success is attributed to brian dayball i think he's a very good um coordinator i think he does a lot of the analytic stuff of throwing on first down and and really looking to push the ball downfield i think he's he's kind of on the cutting edge in terms of his play calling in turn for passing and i think a lot of his success is is with him now the one thing about dayball that's interesting is i think it like it 
I don't know if that makes me want to get a part of like the Bills run game as much. I don't know if Zach Moss, it's a little bit difficult because I think Josh Allen has such red zone power that it kind of reduces Zach Moss's value and they do pass the ball so much. But I think where, where it does come is obviously Diggs, but also I think Emmanuel Sanders is a great look as well as a result. I, again, I just, I'm always tracking people who, I, a lot of times when I look at fantasy analysis, it's not which players I like. It's, okay, which teams do I think are going to be good? And and you always want to be part of teams that are good. So um, so I believe that is uh, three teams. The fourth team, I would say, is Matt LaFleur from the Packers. I He's also kind of from the same McVay tree. Um, I, like a lot, a lot of, I like a lot of Packers. I don't know if I like... Um, you know, I think another thing, too, that's helpful with this analysis is it can be helpful throughout the, the regular season, too. So when you're looking at the waiver wire, like, and you're like, who should I get? Should I get, like, Marquez, Val, and Scantling, or should I get other guys? I always use this, like, if I'm, like, taking shots in the dark, like, I'm, I'm going to take the, if I'm looking at, like, second receivers, for example, because all my receivers suck, like, I'm going to prioritize second receivers in these offenses or even third receivers in these offenses as opposed to, you know, second and thirds in other offenses. Because in my mind, it's like, and I just think that's important to keep in mind. These should always be kind of weighing when you're looking at the waiver wire what offense you're getting a piece of. And I think Matt LaFour is a good example. I think, you know, Devontae Adams had a, a breakout year. Not a breakout, but he had a return to form last year. Aaron Jones has been a solid running back for <clears throat> three years now. So I think there's a lot of, of I think, LaFleur and McVay, they were, they were head coaches together on the same staff, I think, with Shanahan back in the day. It might be right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Speaking of Shanahan, the other guy, so this is my fifth coach, is Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I've mentioned him before. Killer, again, he's kind of the reverse of the Brian Dayball and the Bills, so Dayball is really good passing the ball. Uh, Shanahan is a little bit better running the ball. Like, I want a piece of the 49ers' backfield. I don't know if I'm as thrilled about their passing game, mainly because they feel like they just have a ton of talent. They have Debo, they have Ayuk, they have Kittle. There's just a lot of mouths to feed, and they don't have a really strong quarterback. So in my mind, it kind of reduces the the pass catching. But at the same time, I, I still think that uh, Kittle's still a great look, and then any running back piece is always someone that I'm taking a look at. So to recap, it's McVay, Shanahan, LaFleur, Dayball, um... Andy Reid. And the one guy I'll throw in there in the sixth one, and this one's probably what I would say would be the most uh, perhaps controversial, but I think is kind of the new guy on the rise is Fred Smith with the Falcons. Um, he's my sixth. And those are the six guys. And this is why I'm, I'm high on Calvin Ridley. I'm high on Pitts. I'm high on Mike Davis. I trust Fred Smith. I think Fred Smith is, there's a lot of analytics that kind of like, I think he was also really uh, responsible for a lot of the success Tannehill had. I mean, let's not forget, like, Tannehill was more or less left for dead from Miami, and he was also coming from Gase. And, and I think Tannehill, I think, is, is a great example of exactly this theme that I'm talking about, where, you know, he's in Miami, he's with Adam Gase, Gase sucks, he's not even really a rosterable QB, and then he goes to Tennessee, they put the right pieces around him, they get a good system at them, and now he's like, you know, an, a QB1 and, you know, going in the first like eight, nine QBs. So, you know, I think it's Tannehill is a great example of like the power of a, of a good coaching staff. And I really have heard really good things about Fred Smith. And so 
I think those are the six guys that I think really elevate their fantasy players. Now, again, like this has no real determination on wins and losses, and this isn't like my top six coaches. This is more just guys in the fantasy that I want to get a piece of. So uh, take that for what it's worth going into the draft. I know it's not super useful. The last topic I want to cover really briefly, and this will conclude kind of the uh, the session, is... And I've seen a lot of folks mess up on this, and I think we're starting to see a change here, but um, I think it's really important to consider, again, the, the relative value of quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends to one another. Okay, And when you're trading for certain guys, what you what you're really trading for and the value of those sorts of things. So um, first and foremost, one thing to keep in mind is wide receivers very rarely hit on the waiver wire. It's very important to keep in mind, which is why I like trading for wide receivers so much. And in the second title one, I pretty much just built an entire team on wide receivers because I do think that, so the game is just moving where it's a lot easier to pass and for whatever, but it's also very difficult to pick up legitimate wide receivers. I think there's usually at any given time somewhere between like 30 to 35 legitimate like wide receiver talents and the rest are kind of just like replacement level dudes. And I always just think that with that in mind, like I really like to shore up wide receiver way more than I like to shore up running back and in the, in the draft. And so I think that's important to keep in mind when you're drafting and also as you're trading to if you are unloading running backs, I'm more, I'm actually more likely to unload a running back for a wide receiver depending on the value because, I mean, let's face it, if you have a Kamara, a CMC, a Derrick Henry, you're not trading those guys. So then once you get to that second tier, that's where I feel like you can make some moves. So always keep that in mind. That same analysis holds true for tight end. I've already talked about that at length. I'm not going to get into it anymore. Um, the one thing that I think is changing, and I've mentioned this, but I think I want to call attention to it, is that I think we're really getting to the point in fantasy with quarterbacks where um, if you can get a hold of a dual threat quarterback, I actually think it's really worth it. And I know I've gone on and on about Justin Fields, Trey Lance, uh, Jalen Hurts I was on. like I just think that that is kind of the next, um, they call it the Konami code. I You could think of like the next arbitrage space of getting a hold of these quarterbacks that can run. In really treating, I really do think they can be legitimate league winners for guys. And I just think that's important to keep in mind. And then reciprocally then, guys that don't provide that value, Tannehill, although Tannehill, he'll do some bootlegs. They like to kind of, because Derrick Henry's such a force, I've seen, he'll get a few more rushing touchdowns than you might expect. I mean, they'll be one-yard boots. But, um, you know, your Staffords, your Brady's, your Fitzpatrick's, these guys that just don't provide... I don't think it's worth trading for a quarterback who doesn't provide some sort of scrambling. I just think it's very silly. Even Daniel Jones, I'm much more likely to take than, um, honestly, than like it than a uh, take a look at than like a Stafford or a Tannehill for those exact reasons of like guys that don't provide the rushing value are just very capped at what they can do, and that doesn't mean they can't have like a 25, 30 point game, but you're just you can't get that consistent floor consistent ceiling there will be duds that they throw up so that's just something to keep in mind in quarterback that you know if they provide dual track value they are a lot more valuable and they should be treated as such and as a result guys that could provide that value then become more valuable as well so just keep that in mind as you're looking um 
And the last thing I think around this draft specifically is I think there's so I think this is like the biggest point of contention. There are there's some fantasy folks who think that like you should really load up on wide receiver this year. They they call it like the running back dead zone. That pretty much after you get out of like the Josh Jacobs tier, that you're essentially just in a dead zone and the guy you might take it pick sixty five is no better than the guy you might take at one fifteen. And you should kind of keep that in mind and Personally, I think there's a lot of value in the later rounds here with running backs. I think there's three or four guys that I'm, I'm really into. I've, I've already talked about them, but I, I just I would say keep that in mind. But again, it's up to you. I mean, that, that one I'm not I'm not as adamant on because I think that there's there's folks who, really, who I really respect who just aren't high on running backs after like round five or six. So I guess that's up to you how you want to play it. Uh, I hope this was useful to guys, and uh, I'm just so excited to see everyone in exactly a week. So it's been a pleasure doing this. Can't wait to get to Blackhawk. Take it easy, folks. And welcome back, folks, to another episode of The Scuttle. The content train is hot and heavy right now. And I am thrilled, actually, to be doing this pod with, I think, the after Ben, who's the second person who was ever on this pod, was uh, Joe Lisher. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on, champ. Yeah, of course, man. I am uh, thrilled to be doing this. I know, I like, like Ian said it best, man. This time of fantasy football is probably the best time, just filled with optimism and hope. Um, great for content. Great to be here, and I'm really excited to catch up. What you been up to? Oh, busy with work. Real busy with work uh, here in Columbia, South Carolina. But I got three projects down in Florida, so you know I'm traveling down there to Molly Brown's occasionally. <laughs> We've noticed. Um, yeah, um, yeah, that was a mistake. Um, <laughs> was it a mistake but, the second know, and third time too, Joe? Yeah, yes, every time it was a mistake, <laughs> and every time I walk out, I'm more ashamed of myself. So. Um, covered in glitter and filth, and oh, Dallas. Oh Dallas. man, that was her name. <laughs> I mean, uh, but there's worse places to be than uh, to have jobs that have to travel to than you know Daytona Beach and Fort Myers, so. Um, I, I enjoy what I do and I'm traveling to work and um, big life news, you know, Kelsey and I are about to sell our house and move back to Dayton. Um, so we'll be doing that here in three weeks from tomorrow on September 17th. So Dayton folk, I'm excited as fuck to get back to Skyline. I cannot wait to get Boy. Skyline back in my life consistently. Um, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that uh, as well as Sensation. Uh, man, I miss the Sensation. So, Joe, can we expect some of the Spears OnlyFans-style Skyline Snapchats 100%. Oh, great. Yes. You we know, know me, and, me and Spears might be doing some collabs, you know. Um, <laughs> like, you know, going to Skyline, putting down a dozen conies, six per person, something like that. I could see that definitely being some good content. Maybe throwing me and Kyle in the mix. I would love to see. conies. Joe, what do you think? Do you think between you and Spears, who do you think could eat more conies at a sitting? I think he. I think he would beat me. Is uh, that I, right? I wow. It, but it would. It would be. Uh, Spears. Spears will get it, but I would probably end up bending the knee to him. I think he's just <laughs> at this point. Uh, there was one night in Charleston. Spears and I played a game of with a bottle of vodka, and we just passed it back and forth, and we just said, "Bend the knee." Whoever stops taking a shot first lost. He lost. He lost, by the way. But when it comes to Coney's, because he has the experience in the leg up, uh, you know, he's a seasoned vet. He's had it in his life for the past 
four years, and I have not down here in Columbia. So uh, I'm going to have to say I would have to bend the knee to him. But, you know, give me some time to get back in shape, and I'll give him the run for his money. Yeah, I, I, I could see you, uh, you know, you get into mid-season form, and I, my money's on you, Joe, there. Yeah, I, I can put a good, I, I've definitely done five before. I can <sighs> get me back in my prime, and yeah, we can do some damage. Love it. Well, great. So you said you're coming back, coming back home. You said not necessarily directly to Dayton, right? Might might, might be a little bit outside. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with Miller Valentine. So Billy Buckets. I know you got that apartment above Block 27. Looking forward to that. Miller Valentine just relocated their office in Dayton, right next to uh, oh. Billy's apartment um, there on Monument Avenue. So looking forward to that. Hanging out with Billy, getting some lunch, maybe going to some Dragons games. Um, that's where I'll be working and then probably living in, uh, you know, Kelsey and I are looking to buy a house in the Jamestown area out there by Shawnee Lake. Uh, it's a nice little quiet area. So uh, that's where her parents live and about 25 minutes from my parents. So it'll be nice to be, you know, closer to home and closer to family and friends. Yeah, I love it. I also think Alex Gertz's parents have a little property on the Correct, yes. Uh, Susie, Susie Gertz and Susie Collins and Jim Collins. Uh, Chris is, and Chris and Alex's mother moved out there, uh, I think, probably within the past year and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, they're just down the lake from Kelsey's parents. It is a really cute, like, a lake. We, we, we were there for the fourth, and that's a, yeah, like you yeah. said, just really quaint, really good. I, I've just really just discovered being out here in California, I'm far more a lake person than a beach person. Lakes are just, the vibes on lakes are immaculate. I agree. You know? I agree. Yep. There's just nothing quite like it. There's something about being on a boat. Yep. Yeah, it's it's the best. And everyone's just friendlier. It's great. Well, hey, that is great news, my man. Congrats on sticking with Miller. So were you kind of talking with Miller, Valentine, to be like, hey, I kind of want to get out there. And they eventually, once a spot opened up, they just relocated you? Well, Miller, Valentine, you know, I started with them in the Dayton area. You know, I did two, road, two internships with them in Dayton, started full-time in Cincinnati, came down here to Columbia because they needed help. Um, so they're very, they've been very accommodating throughout this process and yeah, Joe, you know, you're a good employee. We want to keep you. We want to do everything we can to keep you now. So I went out there, I talked to the market a little bit and, um, I got some better offers, but you know, I don't want to go, I don't want to get competing offers to get more money. So I told Miller Valentine, Hey, I want, you know, I have better offers out there, but I'm going to stay with you guys because you know, you're a good company and, um, you've been, you've been good to me. So I'm going to be good to you. Uh, and it's obviously not good leaving in the middle of a project either. That's never good for uh, construction or any project, I imagine. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, they're very accommodating to me, and um, they've been been—they've told me to expect, you know, a promotion here in the next year. So that's a good news Hell as well. Yeah. So we'll see. Well, congrats on that. Sounds like things are going well. We got a lot of company men at this in the group. Ian Kyle's been with his company. He started with Dan. Just got his promotion. I love to see love to see guys. It's a lot of loyalty in this group. I think it's what makes us such. And, good and we got a lot of different career paths as well. I think you it's know a great point. we got some doctors. We got uh, a pharmacist as well as a you know medical doctor. I guess I don't know how you would differentiate them. Um, and then you got the IT department, Dan and Ben <laughs> and all those guys, and then. Um, yeah, I, I do construction. Chris is a manufacturing. We got a lawyer coming Alex. here, Suitley. So. We, we got a who, who's that? Fez. Fez is going to law school. Yep. I okay. I did not realize that. Fuck. Yeah, Joe. Oh, I feel yeah, like so we've got. Yeah, you ever get us in a little bit of trouble? We'll we'll have someone in our back pocket we can call on. You know. 
we've got we've got every we've got somebody for everything. So, <laughs> you know, we need to like uh, a while back. I pitched an idea where we need to. I don't know. We need to in, the twelve of us. We need to invest in something, whether it's a bar, and we're all part owners, and you know the bar is called Sunday Fun Day or something oh, like boy. that, or. Uh, I mean, I would love to have some type of joint venture where we're all invested and we make money in that together. That would be cool. I agree. You know, I think a bar. You know, Tom has a lot of restaurant experience. You know, he could be the he could be the. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. He could fucking run that shit. Yeah. Hey, you hit me up. I'll, I'll build it. <laughs> there we go. I love it. Dan will get us hooked up the doc- on the IT. Doctors, yeah, doctors are paying for it, and we got the IT department in the back pocket. Love it. Well, yeah, well, I agree, man. It's great to hear from him. Congrats. And then Ohio, you said sometime in September, right? So it's it's closing here shortly. Yeah, we are. Today is Thursday, August 27th, I believe, right? And we are moving in three weeks from tomorrow. So uh, September 17th, we'll be leaving. Beautiful. Well, you know, that puts you right on time. You're going to be coming back home to the motherland, right, for OSU football, which kind of segues us nicely. I mean, Joe, like we were talking off pod here. You're pretty much our college football correspondent, and there's, I'm not as close to college football. I really just follow Notre Dame and my grandma. Like, she just has been to it, so I just follow it and talk to her about it. But I don't really know the nuances, but I know there's been a lot of news going on in college football and really need your help here to unpack everything that's been going on. So I'll start with the news that I feel like most interests me, and I'm curious to get your take on it, is this Oklahoma, Texas moving into the SEC. What does this mean? Is the SEC just going to become like the dominant league? Or are we just going to have a giant super league? What's going on here? I, you know, to me, if I, was, if I didn't play fantasy football, I would probably definitely only follow college football. Not only, but uh, more closely follow college football. I, I definitely, I'm biased. I'm a big Buckeye fan, obviously, and I just love college football, the tradition, the pageantry, as you would say, in the Rose Bowl. Love it. Um, you know, the atmosphere, it's just, you know, it, it, the NFL to me, uh, it's unrivaled. Um, so, um, but like I said, tradition, college football is all about tradition to me. So, you know, I hate the move. Uh, I hate when teams change conferences and, like, and shit like this. Uh, I think it ruins the tradition of college football. I understand the reasoning behind it, you know, especially now because players are getting paid to do it. Uh, the players are only going to go to the conferences that get the TV time and get the exposure. So, you know, even if they know, hey, maybe I'm not going to the NFL, I want to, but you know, I'm going to make my money while I can, so I'm going to go to the school that gives me the best exposure. So, yeah, you're going to have that dominant conference. I mean, you can say that the SEC might be that for the past few years, but, you know, um, it's really going to hurt the smaller conferences and the smaller programs, like Missouri. Uh, if you're in Missouri and you're in the SEC right now, you're like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> uh, or in Arkansas or a Mississippi State, you're like, fuck, well, shit, can I go to the Big 12? Man, fuck this shit. Like, I'm not playing in the SEC. So, um, Interesting. Uh, I understand it, but I, I don't like it. I don't. Um, so, the pay, the pay the players. You know, the players get enough. Uh, um, again, I don't know shit about it because I wasn't in that situation, but from – what I see and what I hear, you know, the players get enough stipends and per diems and uh, other benefits that I don't think they need to be making six figures and a million dollars. And as a 17-year-old, Quinn Ewers, leaving high school, graduating his senior year of high school in three months just to go to Ohio State to probably be a third string. 
So, you know, I, I, I disagree with it. I wish it wasn't the way it is, but, you know, it's the day and age we live in, and it's, I think it's only going to continue to progress. Uh, I, hope it, I hope the NCA can just control it and uh, set, you know, bylaws and precedents, and that way people don't take advantage of it. Um, or, you know, you don't see college football go down the shitter for it. Um, or you start seeing players just completely sit out and not play, yeah. like you see in bowl games nowadays. I, I hate that. Um, go out there and fucking play football. It's brutal. It's my take. Well, luckily, though, the NCAA just has a sterling track record of handling things super, super well. Right. So I, I feel like, you yeah. know, they'll knock this one out of the park, no problems. Um, it's interesting, yeah. Joe. I, I, I'm, I'm curious, though, from the OU, when I heard this news, my first thought was like, okay, so you laid out the money of, like, you know, players are going to be making more money if they're in the conferences that are, you know, having, you know, they have the most eyeballs. But I'm thinking conversely, it's like if I'm Texas, I've been a middling program. I mean, I haven't even, I mean, they haven't, have they, I can't even remember how many, like, they haven't made a top four since that rolled out. They've been, I don't even think they've won the Big 12 recently. So, oh, yeah. Oklahoma's run the Big 12 for the past six, seven years. Yeah. So it's like, in my mind, it's like, okay, so Texas wants to go, they were getting their dick rubbed in the dirt in the Big 12. Like, so they're just like, yeah, we'll be a middling team right. in the SEC. Like, it was surprising to me. That, and they have the Longhorn Network. I was like, they're just going to forfeit all that. It just didn't make sense to me, like, for, from that perspective. So you really think the money, it's like, it's better to be four and seven in the SEC than eight and three in the Big 12 or seven and four? Like, I, I was surprised by that. No I, I, no, I completely agree with you. I don't think it's better to be a middle-of-the-pack team in the SEC and just – uh, to get that exposure. If you're Texas, you are the president in the Big 12. You and Oklahoma. And um, I was, uh, Timmy Lovett, you know, a good friend of mine, he was just in town and here in Columbia. Him and I had dinner tonight, and him and I sat down. He was telling me about this article that he read uh, where all of the Big 12 presidents and, uh, you know, higher up the executives from the schools had a meeting, and it was con- it was conveyed to multiple reporters from multiple different presidents that, Yes, Oklahoma has been the dominant force in the Big 12 for the past six, seven years, but it's always been Texas who has run that shit. If, if you want to make a decision in the Big 12, right. you've got to go through Texas. Makes like, total Texas sense. Texas is the, pre- the president of Texas is basically the president of the Big 12 is kind of the way the article put it. Um, so, yes, I agree. You're, you're Texas. You're number one and you're the biggest program in the fucking Big 12. Why go compete with Alabama and Florida and Auburn and Georgia? Uh, Georgia, the, the bigger schools in the SEC at this time, I guess. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't know why you would do that, although you're paying your players now. Uh, uh, maybe the Longhorn Network contract ran out, and the, I, I have no idea. I, that's I, the thing. I, I don't know. Yeah, and that's why I think it's so interesting. I would just love to know like the financial analysis that went into this, because yeah, just on the, on the surface, it's just like I just am surprised that this makes sense for Texas, but they wouldn't be doing it financially unless it did. So, uh, really interesting stuff. And I think what's even more interesting and breaking news as of today, you mentioned is this Big Ten Pac-12 alliance that seems pretty vague. Folks aren't entirely sure what it means. What, what's your read on that whole thing? I uh, it's. Just their response to, okay, we got to, in my opinion, uh, we got to protect ourselves. So, hey, guys, we need to make sure this doesn't happen. Like, okay, you know, uh, Oregon, we can't have you leaving the fucking Pac-12. Or <laughs> USC, we can't have you leaving the Pac-12. Ohio State, don't think about leaving the Big Ten. Let's all just sign this and agree, hey, we're not leaving. Gotcha. As long as 
I, I and all I can do is you know um, guess and say that they got to put hey as long as these requirements are met and these teams are doing these things and they're bringing in this amount of money and we have this many people watching everybody stays where they're at nobody's moving that's the only thing I can kind of think of is that what this sense. alliance means otherwise what what the fuck what it's an alliance okay what the fuck does that mean <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, Pac-12, I mean, as a conference is just really, you know, it'll be, I, I'm so fascinated now like this te- with, with like how this migration works. I mean, could the Pac-12 just collapse it into itself too? I mean, I, I feel like that conference these past few years, I feel like honestly like the Mountain West is almost as good as the Pac-12. And so I, yeah, it'll be wild to see. Like if this, the, what happens, it's kind of like in Catan, I feel, where it's like you shouldn't trade with the top dog, but sometimes it's like I need to make myself better. I'm curious if like, you know, if teams are going to act in their own self-interest and what that means and how it'll impact conference realignments, you know. It's going to be a wild world, and I think. I think the Pac-12 is really going to suffer um, because of the pay to play, pay to play the players, Um West Coast games don't get as much TV time. Yes. West Coast players don't get as much, you know, because it's, it's midnight on the East Coast and their 9 o'clock game is starting in California. Um, so players are going to be coerced by agents now or whatever, whoever's paying them to say, hey, you're going to get paid more money and you're going to get more attention if you're playing on the East Coast at a 9 o'clock Eastern time and 6 o'clock Pacific time game. More people are going to be watching you and seeing your name on your jersey if you play over here and uh, on the East Coast as compared to the West Coast. So I think that's only going to hurt the West Coast uh, conferences as well. Wow. Um, I hadn't even we'll considered see. that. But that's a great point because I feel like people even make jokes. Like I've even heard like an analyst say like they think that that's why sometimes the Pac-12 perhaps gets disrespected is because literally no one stays up to watch those games. Yeah. So no one has any idea what's going on over there, you know? Yeah. Now, I love coming back, uh, living on the East Coast, and coming back from the bar at 1, 2 a.m., and there's still a fucking football game. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's a, that's a great point. Yeah, I, I did not think that really puts the Pac-12 at a real disadvantage. And any, like, West West Coast team, that'll be interesting to see play out, too. Man, if this is a big migration of players over into the Midwest and the East Coast because they just need those eyeballs, you know. Wow. Yeah. Right. It's a great point, Joe. Well, you know, and it, and it also brings up something interesting, too. So you mentioned him already, this OSU grad who – well, I guess he's not an OSU grad. He's a high school grad who is forfeiting his senior year to essentially just go to OSU, right? Could you help? So I, I thought he was going to – so kind of help people understand this, what's going on, what's at play here. Um, all, all I know is Quinn Ewers, the number one recruit, number one overall recruit and quarterback recruit for the class of 2022, high school class of next year. Uh, so he would be a freshman in Ohio State next year, next fall. And he, you know, once they did this no, uh, pay the players thing, um, I imagine Ohio State probably reached out to him or some company who is willing to pay him a ridiculous amount of money reached out to him and said, hey, we – you get your senior year of high school done in these next three months and this summer, you know, you can enroll at Ohio state and you can get paid this fall. Um, I, I got to imagine that's somewhat how the conversation went. And he said, well, fuck yeah. Like, okay. Uh, I don't want to take the risk of getting hurt my senior year and yep. losing that money. Um, cause you know, anything could happen in the next four years that maybe I won't go to the NFL. So let me take the money while I can. And I think he was already promised something like six figures. I think the Alabama quarterback, uh, Bryce Jones, I think he, he signed some deal worth a million dollars or some shit 
but I think uh, Quinn Ewers got like six figures. I might be wrong. Somebody fact check me. But um, that's my understanding of it currently. Now, Quinn Ewers himself, I can't guilt the kid at all. Fuck, dude. Um, go take that money. But um, I'd like to think if I'm in that situation, um, I'm going out there and I'm playing my senior year of high school football. These are the guys that, you know, um, and his teammates posted openly on Twitter about it as well, his uh, senior teammates and said, you know, we're going to miss you out there this year, but we understand what the decision you're making is for your best interest. So, um, but I, I, I'd like, you know, I'd like to try to put myself in those shoes and say, I'm going out there and I'm playing football with my fucking brothers, you know, but six figures on the line. If something happens and I lose that, you know, yeah, it- uh, that's tough. And Joe, to, to make sure I'm following, this is six figures for, it, 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 like, would this guy potentially start this fall, or is he definitely a third string, won't even sniff the field? I mean, he, uh, that's, I guess, I mean, he's 17 fucking years old, and he's coming in in the second week of August, three weeks before the first game, and just now trying to figure out a college football offense. That's a great point, yeah. Uh, get caught up to speed with college football athletes, guys who have been there for the entire spring and winter. Um, I just don't see it happening. If it does, that's, that, that, that it would be one of the greatest fucking college football stories ever, but I just don't see it happening. I don't. Wow. So I am just stunned that, like, potentially the second or third stream backup has the potential to make six figures. As a se- I mean, that is As a remarkable. <laughs> I can't and not even that. not even playing it down, yeah. Wow. I mean... Wow. I mean, that is and really somebody, stunning. Like, Ohio State could sign somebody next year that could come in and take that job. Or somebody transfers to Ohio State like Justin Fields did and takes that position. And then that guy's – I mean, I, if, if I'm a company, I don't know how you're rolling the dice and spending that money on those players. Oh, my gosh. Like, if you're fucking Nike or Adidas or whoever, how are you I – don't, I don't know how you have the – I guess they got bajillions of dollars, but, I mean – yeah, I think there's like, so many yeah. fish out there. How, how do you know which one to take the risk on? Yeah, I mean that is it's a good question. I mean, honestly, I feel I don't know like how these endorsements work or who's where, but Nike six figures for Nike. I mean, that's the, that's like a penny. I mean, they wouldn't even they don't even like that doesn't even get them. Yeah. that doesn't even yeah. wake them up. You know, like mean, they no, don't even not at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's I mean, wow. That. Yeah, I this is. I did not realize how much money was at stake, honestly, for those sorts of guys. I thought it was more just like, uh, wow, I'm stunned. Well, there you go. I mean, maybe maybe I'm adding a zero to it, but um, I'm pretty sure Bryce Jones, the Alabama quarterback, got an endorsement deal for like. Maybe I'm adding a zero to it. Maybe he got six figures, and everybody else was getting five figures or something like that. I don't know. I don't. But still, ridiculous amount of money, fucking. Yeah. And, and you're on scholarship. And the thing is, yeah, great point. And also, I mean, I think, I mean. I feel like you would agree here. We're probably just at the tip of the iceberg here, right? I mean, yeah, who 100%. knows where these salaries will be in five years? I'm kind of like, there's so much money at stake. I mean, it's boggles the mind where we where this could end up, you know? Yeah. Damn. Well, yeah, I'm, it'll be very interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. Well, I'm luckily, I just, hope it, I just hope it doesn't ruin college football. I feel you. Luckily, I feel like Joe, you'll you'll keep us apprised of everything that's going on in there. Um. But yeah, well, thank you. That 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 concludes the college football segment. But I, that was great. I appreciate it, my man. Um, 
moving on. So, you know, we've kind of been, everyone's kind of talked about it. Would love to hear, you know, we're a, a week out to the day. I mean, literally almost exactly, you know, seven days away from everyone being in Blackhawk. What's your mental state at about that? And also just like, what do you think about Blackhawk, the experience? I know there's some things you wanted to address, so let's, let's get into it. Uh, I'm just, you did a great job, as somebody else has said. Uh, you did an incredible job picking out, you know, listening to everybody's uh, comments from Airbnb's past. Um, that's a tough responsibility to take on as a champion. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm really excited. The cabin's awesome. Um, I can't wait to get out there. Uh, I, I mean, that's why I, I've, I've never gone out on a Thursday before. And I, you know, had to take two days off this time. And I was like, my, my initial flight, I was supposed to fly out of Columbia with Chris Gertz. That we were supposed to land in Denver uh, Thursday night at like 9 p.m. And then once I saw like every, a couple other people were like, we're getting in Thursday. You know, I was like, fuck it, I got to take advantage of this. I'm going out there Thursday morning. So I was like, Chris, I'm sorry, I can't. I remember that. And I was like, I'm flying first class. I land in Denver at 9 a.m. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Chris was like, dude, what the fuck? Uh, sorry, Chris. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was just too anxious. Uh, I had a shit ton of American Airlines points to spend, so I was like, I'm doing it. Love it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. I feel I feel like this year, more than previous years, I feel like everyone's getting here. I mean, I feel like everyone's in before like 1 or 2 o'clock, it seems, right? I mean, I could check right, the sheet, yeah. but it's remarkable. I mean... I feel like it's kind of nice because I feel like every other year it's like you have like maybe a half dozen guys get there, you know, and then most people are trickling in seven, eight, nine, ten o'clock. But I mean, exactly. we're we're gonna be rolling twelve deep by six six seven p.m. I mean, we're gonna be there. Yeah, and I, you know? I can't wait. I mean, I know when I landed at nine, I, I think I got four or five other guys with me uh, in the morning car trip that we've talked about. Um, so yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. It's gonna be a hell. I like of the idea of the morning hike. Um, I don't like. I'm with Gertz. So I'm not, you know, I'm not a backpacking fiend like Spears and Ian. But um, I'll go out and I'll walk a few feet and maybe smoke a doink and drink my coffee. Uh, take a few steps. Not 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 a huge elevation change. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to that that morning atmosphere. I agree. I think I think a nice morning hike. We've never done something like a nice communal all of us group, but I think it'll be a great way to start the weekend off. And I know personally, I'm starting to get to that point where like I'm struggling to work. Like I'm almost like so excited. I'm like thinking, I'm like doing research on the casinos. I'm just like I'm starting to go like really into it already, you know. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, but no, I, I'm sure most people are getting that way, you know. I, Luckily, I've been pretty busy this week, so I've not gotten to that point yet. That's but great. We have a big, we have a big work event tomorrow, uh, where we're going to be drinking from noon to the rest of the day. So I'm Ooh. sure tomorrow, yeah, you know, as the weekend starts, and then three days next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm just going to make it through that, and then all I'm going to be thinking about is, you know, leaving my house at 4 a.m. Thursday morning to uh, drive to Charlotte to get my flight to get to Denver at 9 a.m. That's all I'm going to be thinking about. So yeah, next week I'm sure I'll be in that same boat. Yeah, but you know, right now I'm heads down. Yeah, I, I think it's starting right now. This this content train Thursday night, leading into my short work day tomorrow, the weekend, and then like this is where it's going to start. Where I'm like, all right, work work's done for the next week and a half. 
go after Labor Day. I feel you, man. And I'm curious, are you a craps player? Are you, is that something you know? Are you I, looking... I, I'm very excited uh, to learn. I'm, I'm not a craps player. I've never played before. Hold on one second. I'm taking a few minutes. Yep, you're good. Ah. Just a sorry, quick... sorry, listeners. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> um, Just a quick one. Um. I've never played craps, but that thing you sent in the group uh, chat earlier about that, what is it, Saratoga, where they teach you and they're enthusiastic about it. I love that idea. I love the $2 blackjack tables. That's awesome. That'll be good for a lot of our owners, um, myself included. Uh, and to touch on that, I think the the over 600 is way too low. Uh definitely over. <laughs> Everyone is like, it is amazing to me. I, I I thought 600 was a little high when I set that number, but it I, seems universally people are just like, oh, it's going over for sure. I think I, I think I lost 600 at Bennett's wedding in Cleveland. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I'm excited to in fact uh, have free drink, hopefully. Uh, that'll be nice because um, I, I don't plan on leaving the tables, really. <laughs> I mean... So, Joe, I feel like you could oh, yeah. have some real crabs will be awesome. Yeah, crabs will be great. I mean, yeah, I a two dollar. I haven't heard of like two dollar minimums ever. I don't think I, I can't. I hope it's a Monday through Friday thing because that would be. I would love to just play. I mean, two dollar mins like you could play for hours and lose like yeah. lose like fifty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, that's that'll and be. Next thing you know, it's six a.m. and you're <laughs> only down a hundred. Yeah, I mean it'll be. It'll be a trip. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. I also think it's kind of nice. We've never had access to as many rental cars as we have this time, too, which I think will kind of make things, you know, we've kind of always been kind of playing it. Maybe, I know, like, last year I had Leslie's car, but uh, that was a bitch to park, and we only had that. And then, you know, getting to it. Yeah. I think having multiple cars will really, like, make things a little bit easier for us from, like, a logistical perspective, you know? Yes, I agree. And to piggyback on what Gert said on his pod, uh, good work to everybody involved in planning that great adult, you know, responsibility. Good work. Yep. Uh, and I, I don't believe Ben was involved, so thanks, Ed. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, he's done a good job of raising his kids, and now we can make decisions on our own. That's how right. I get it, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think... I yeah, think That's what I meant by that, yeah. <laughs> I think Blackhawk's going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. Um yeah, I think it'll be great. Any other uh, any other thoughts, gambling advice you want to give out to the crew? I know, Joe, you are probably also not only our college football expert. <laughs> Nothing you'd want to impart to us before we take off? Always hit. Always <laughs> hit. Love it. Well, there you go. You heard it from here first. Joe Lisher, our, our gambling expert. Yeah, well, I think Blackhawk's going to be great. I, um, You know, I think... You know, we can't really talk, you know, it's we got, we got a lot of Bengals fans in this group, and we can't really have a, a pod at this point now, I feel like, without discussing them. I know uh, there's been a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts on Zach Taylor. Jamar Chase had several more drops. What are you thinking about the Bengals? Yeah. First off, let's start there. Chase, did you have an opinion on the Chase-Sewell thing going into yes, the draft? I, I wanted I wanted Sewell, but... Um... I gotta agree again, George. Yeah, I hate doing this. I think this is my third fucking time agreeing with George on this fucking. Wow, time. brutal. But, um, uh, but I'm gonna do it again. Um, you know, uh, I wanted to, but uh, agreeing with George and his opinion and the fact that uh, if Burrow's saying take Chase, you gotta take Chase. 
Yeah. Um, you know, Burrow's your guy. Um, I agree with the, everything Burrow or everything Gert said about Burrow as a you know person, and that you know trusting what he says. He's very candid. Um, but yeah, that that video of Chase dropping those three balls earlier this week, dude, that was fucking brutal. I wanted to throw up. It's tough. That was oh man, it was it was bad. Ian Emoff could have got those. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, you got you it, know. It'll be interesting to see. It will be, you know, Chase. He hasn't played in a couple years, so I, I definitely think you gotta cut him some slack there. But I do think the Bengals just have a, a feeling to me right now where. You know, I'm not a Zach Taylor fan. I think they're almost certainly going to get off to a slow start. I can't, I just, I, nothing points to them, like, getting, I could see them finishing strong, but I think those first five games could be a little bit of a, a roller coaster, you know. I, I think it all depends, I think we will go, or we, the Bengals, we will go as uh, Joe Burrow goes. Yes. Um, you know, our defense we brought in some new guys. Uh, we also got some experienced guys. I, I feel confident in our defense. Um, and we weren't a terrible defense last year. No, that's true. Um, so I think we will go as Joe Burrow goes. Um, our receiver will catch the ball, I hope. And we'll see. If yeah. we can protect Joe, we'll be all right. But Zach Taylor, um, yeah, this is this is it. He's got to do something this season. Yeah. And in, in, in what in your mind is something? I mean, I think I feel like a playoff berth is probably a little too ambitious. Is it just he's got to compete in the AFC North, and he? I mean, it's a tough ass division. Holy fuck! I don't know how you can be that right now. But um, yeah, you gotta you gotta be able to compete with the Browns, the Ravens, and the Steelers, and yeah. um, you gotta win at least five. I'd say. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's. You know, it's going to, like you you nailed it. I mean, it is a, I, I honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe you say the NFC West with the Cardinals, Rams, and the Seahawks. and But, man, the AFC North could be the toughest division in football, you know. So it's, yeah. like you said, it's to be, if you don't bring your A game, you're, you're going to get blasted. There's no doubt. Well, there you go. I mean, the, the, the Bengals are, uh, yeah, always a hot topic. And, you know, Joe, it kind of brings us into a, uh, Fantasy talk in general. How you feel? I know. So you're. I mean, you've been in the semis. What the past three years now? I mean, you've been knocking at the door for several years now. I think you were second in points scored last year. I mean, you've been really elevating yeah. your t- really Alvin elevating. Kamara helped with that. What was that? Alvin Kamara helped with that uh, until I traded in the Spurs. Ah, he, yeah. I mean, but I mean, who did you get in that Kamara trade? I forget. You didn't end up too bad right. either. Right, I, I didn't. It helped me like the, the week that I traded him. I think Kamara laid an egg for Spears, and it helped me win that week because I had so many guys on the bench or on a bye week or injured or whatever. And, and I wish I'm on I'm on ESPN Fantasy app right now, and I'm trying to pull up last season, but it's not fucking letting me. In. So hey, just another IT you know, <laughs> talking about platform changes. Uh, easy accessibility to you know history and leak stats would be nice. Yeah, I'll take a look at this um, real quick. But I do remember. Oh, you have access? Yeah, I can take a look. I I'm sure I can take a look at it here because I uh, I was looking up some history for some uh, okay. items. But so Joe, how are you feeling though? I mean, you you've been really I feel like the past like I mean you obviously have a title, but I feel like the past three to four years you've really elevated your game and gone to another level. How are you feeling headed into this year? I. I... 
I mean, I'm always confident. Um, I feel confident in my fantasy abilities. Um, to be honest, the past few years, I've not done any prep. The past two years, I've not done any prep. Uh, so I got third this past season. So I'm drafting 10th this year. And then last year, I think I drafted, uh, I don't, uh, it was, it was towards the end of the first round. That's all I recall. I, I know I'm up there in the semis, like you said, every damn near every year. Um, but yeah, I, I need to, I need to start knocking the door down and getting into the finals and winning more rings. Wow. So you nev you have not done any draft prep the past two years. The, the year I won the championship was the draft in Indiana, and I did pretty extensive research that year, uh, for, extensive for myself, my own standards, because uh, after that, after I won, I've not done, so I guess that's like three years probably, wow. four years, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't done any research or draft prep since then, so I come in blind and, you know, go with uh, what the board's telling me at the time. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go, man. I mean, it's clearly worked for you. So, well, no, it hadn't because I haven't fucking won. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna try and try and do some fucking uh, draft prep here in the next week. So I'm. I dialed up the trade right now. So it was Todd Gurley, who I feel like you have a special. You've always liked Todd God. No, fuck. God, I. Uh, I just trusted him too much. Uh, I never really liked him. Uh, I just trusted him too much. He scored a lot of touchdowns. He did. He was I mean, a touchdown he only machine. Had, like, yeah, like last year he had maybe nine touchdowns or something like that, but less than five or six hundred yards. Yeah, I mean those arthritic knees, and then you also got AJ Brown, who was also pretty yeah. solid. I mean, I think he ended up finishing. Oh, he, yeah, he busted out for me, and that that was tough because I remember texting Spears about that, or he texted me. <laughs> Spears texted me multiple times. I think it's like, yeah, can I can I have AJ Brown back? <laughs> yeah, he was a. Uh... He was a real good player. I, he kind of came out of nowhere for me. I wasn't as big on him. I know some guys were, but I did not see that one coming. But, yeah, so is there anyone else as you're approaching the fantasy season? Any other things you're thinking about? Also, thoughts on the rule changes? Any thoughts you've had so far? Any rule changes you're advocating for the thought of since we since the sheet went out? Um, so I didn't – the only rule change I requested is the uh, Week 17. I, I think that that is the – true proven ability of hey who really knows fantasy this is one week you pick the best team you can pick the same player as i do whoever picks the best roster fucking wins we only did it the one well we did it one time where everybody was in on it and i won and then the year after that everybody was like oh joey briggs is his <laughs> idea and he won now fuck y'all y'all just pick shitty teams and i won and you're pissed off about it so uh man up Vote yes on uh, that ballot, and let's do Week 17 fantasy draft, and let's use really on a week-to-week basis the best fantasy drafter. It's a great. I mean, I actually really enjoyed the uh, that last year or when we did it. I remember I was in Indi- Indiana uh, when it was going down, and I I uh, I was I was kind of surprised. Like it's kind of it's like it's you know I think it's so weird to just pick. Like, it's usually everything is so, like, even in daily fantasy, you only have a certain amount of money, or, you know, in this, you have, like, draft picks, the draft order, but it's kind of wild to just have everyone at your disposal, and you just pick whoever you right. think. It, it's you it's really bizarre. You a list of all the running backs, and you say, all right, I need to pick three of these running backs, and you guys know it. Ezekiel Elliott, you know, the top five running backs in the fucking league, McCafferty and all those guys, and you got to pick three of them, but who are they playing that week, and who, who's going to have So it's, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's fun. 
And not but to, also week 17, you've got guys like Ezekiel and McCafferty on a bye. Or not on a bye, but sitting out because, you know, the playoffs. So um, they don't want to get injured and shit. So you got to pick, like, okay, which backup do I go with? So I think it's really the proven ability of a fantasy champion, Alex. You know, it, it's, a comp- <laughs> it's a compelling argument, Joe. I got to say, I, I'll be curious to see um, how folks. How, if it gets voted up, I mean, honestly, our voting kind of always turns into a shit show. I feel like every year, uh, we'll see if we can keep it on. That's why I feel like it could be nice. I'm thinking we do the walk, we have a nice walk, and then we go right into voting, and then we can start like the drinking. I feel like you know we get our we get outside, we get our, we clear our head, and then we try and do the voting quickly after that, and just knock it out, you know. But we'll see. I feel you know. I agree. I agree. It's always difficult doing the. Voting on, you know, because everybody has an opinion and they want to, and then Bill wants to propose something new that wasn't, you know, included before. So, but, you know, I feel like we've grown up and we have the, uh, you know, maturity now. We can sit down as adults and figure this out in a timely manner so we can enjoy the rest of our trip. I feel you, man. I feel you. I, um, is there any other, uh, uh, fantasy football thoughts you had? Any other Blackhawk or, uh, I do have a few games Um, for you, but, uh, is there any other? Don't, don't trade with Alex. Don't trade with Alex. <laughs> um, that's all I got. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, so, yeah, of course we can. Uh, we can always do um, an edition of Dan drafted Monte Ball in the first round. I feel like at this point, this is always a. Uh, I feel like you kind of got blasted by who said that, so I feel like we should kind of stick away from that for now. We'll, we'll, we'll let someone else take a beating for that. Um, so this one's interesting. I, uh, so this particular player, super well-known to everyone. Uh, he was taken in the... Looks like it was taken right at the start of the fifth round. So the first pick, pick 49 in the fifth round, it was Tom Brady. So you might think that Tom Brady ended up being the quarterback nine. So this wasn't... Was last year? This was last year, yep. Um, wow, nailed it, Joe. Joe, I feel like you're always super good at Dan drafted Monte Ball in the first round. What's your? Story? There's a few of them that just stick out, you know. Like, uh, I, well, Gertz, you know, for one, always, you know, he gives everybody shit for their picks, but this one in particular, the amount of shit he gave Fez. <laughs> uh, he did lay into Fez. He really laid into Fez yeah. on that one. I gotta say that. So I was gonna say though, it wasn't what ended up. It ended up being not a terrible pick i mean it's like you know it's it's not like as bad as like Le'Veon bell in the fourth but you know at the top of the essentially like the top of the fifth round you get the quarterback nine there's just a lot of players you know that are available cream hunt calvin ridley stefan diggs are all available at that time so it maybe wasn't the the best reach but also fez always loves getting a quarterback i feel it's part of his part of his charm yeah, I agree. I, I don't think this is the first time that um, Fez has been shunned for taking a quarterback early, uh, especially someone with Tom Brady. But, you know, I, I think, if I remember correctly, Fez stuck it out through pretty much the entire year with Tom Brady, and uh, it, it, it wasn't the worst decision he could have made, I guess. You know, it was 
who could have picked up somebody worse than Tom Brady. Yeah, he could have. I mean, there was a, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, speaking of, the, I mean, t- Tom Brady, the Bucks. I have something that hasn't been talked about much is the Bucks returned all 12, 22 that's, of their yeah. starters this year. I mean, and I think that's the first time in a Super Bowl team has done that where they return all twenty-two. Yes, I believe that's correct. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, you asked the question to Gertz, who's, who's got to be the favorite. I mean, you got to say it's got to be the Bucks right now. I mean, I want to say it's the fucking Chiefs because they got just a ridiculous offense, um, and the defense is not bad either. But the, I mean, the Bucks—you got to go with the Bucks. I feel you, man. I mean, it, it like. I just feel like it's kind of been underreported or just like I, I don't feel like they're getting as much hype. I feel like I'm hearing a lot about the Bills and the Browns. Um, but it, it just seems like the Bucks people are just kind of like not talking about much. And I, 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 I truly just do not get it. Um, he just seems to be a guy that the, or the, the Bucks just seem to be a, t- a total steamroller of a team this year. I don't I don't. And they're in a super weak division. There's really no reason they can't go at least five and one very possibly six and oh i mean it could be a could be a long could be a really good year for the bucks i agree not a strong division now that you got james winston at the helm in uh uh new orleans so we don't know how that's gonna go i mean preseason's looking okay but i mean have they announced that he's qb1 or i mean is it still a competition you know, it hasn't been finalized yet. It, it, honestly, you bring up a good point, Joe. Um, what I feel like Taysom Hill, Jason, Jameis Winston, it's, it's a, a lot of heat in our group. It goes back and forth around those two. What's your opinion on those guys? Like, do you is there a guy you would obviously start? I, like I said, I don't think it's officially named. It looks like Jameis might get it, but do you have any thoughts on that quarterback competition? I mean, I think Jameis is probably going to end up being the starting quarterback, but um, I don't know. The Saints use Taysom Hill in so many different ways that I think they like using him in those ways that they don't want to risk him getting hurt at quarterback. I know. So they're going to play Jameis, and they can still use Taysom in those other positions, special teams and defensive wildcat end. and tight end and whatever, yeah. Yeah, he is um, – yeah, I mean, he's a he's – a, it'll be interesting to see what happens with old uh, – you know, I, I feel like I, I've, like, I think you've said it best where they really like using Taysom Hill in that, like, wildcat scenario, and it's kind of amazing, you know, like, he, he's kind of effective in there, you know, it's like, you feel like he, he might not be, but he's really big, he's pretty athletic for a quarterback, and he can really, uh, really make things happen. Yeah, in the short game situations when you can put him in shotgun three, four yards behind the center and just have him going downhill and get you a first down. I mean, Jameis Winston's a big guy too, but uh, I think the Saints are going to trust Taysom Hill to do that more often than Jameis. And, uh, I, I, I just think they see more value in Taysom Hill than um, letting him take the risk of getting hurt at quarterback. Yeah, I feel you. Well, we got one more addition of – Let's see. I mean, Joe, you nailed the first one. This one I feel like is a little bit trickier, but I feel like you're going to steal trap on this one. So this next player here. So hold, hold on one second, Alex. Let me, let me go back to one thing. Let me interrupt you. Yeah. So uh, what division is at the AFC South with the uh, Bucks and the Saints? Uh, I think it's the NFC. NFC. NFC, yeah. NFC South, right? Yeah, NFC yeah, South. So yep. Bucks, Bucks, Saints, 
uh, Falcons Panthers. and who, the Jags? Panthers. Panthers. Okay, Panthers. So, uh, Panthers, who's their quarterback? Sam Darnold? Darnold, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and um, the Bucks, or I'm sorry, the Falcons, you know, without a Julio Jones, without, who's, who's the Falcons running back? Can you tell me that? <laughs> Mike Davis. Oh, I know who it is. But, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's grim. It's grim. Yeah, and uh, Matt Ryan, aging quarterback, and I think they got a new – uh, head coach, maybe they do. Um, yep. so, uh, yeah. So uh, I, I, I'm gonna call it right now. The Bucks are gonna go six and zero in their division. What they play each team twice. So earlier when I made the comment of the Bengals needing to win five games in division, I was thinking they played eight division games. They only played six. So uh, the Bengals need to win at least three or four of those. I'd say rather than five. Gotcha. To, to uh, be competitive for that Zach Taylor season. Correct myself on that comment I made earlier. Um, but um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm saying right now my call. I'm gonna make a call right now. Bucks are gonna go six and zero in their division and their Super Bowl favorites. You know, number one seed in the NFC. All right, but on to uh, your next trivia question. I think it's a great call out, though, Joe. I think six and zero. Oh, I I know that they. You know what's crazy is I don't know when this changed. I don't. I looked at this last week, so I was kind of curious. I think back last week the Bucks I saw only like plus one fifty five to uh, be the number one seed, which I I thought was low. I was really surprised you could get plus odds on the Bucks being the number one overall seed. I mean, I know it's. It's the NFL season's tough to predict, but damn, that seemed like good odds to me. But yeah. I'm gonna have to check my bookie and see if I can get a, get a, get an awesome bet. Yeah, we'll see. But anyway, okay. So this next one here, I think I'm hoping this one's a little bit harder for you. So the player is Raheem Mostert, um, who legitimately started off super hot. So his first two games, he had 23 and 17 fantasy points for he had. Uh, 90. He just had over 150, over 100 yards both games, all-purpose yards. He had touchdowns in each. Looked like a dynamite. Um, got injured, was out a couple games, came back, and then pretty much his final fantasy scores were 13.4, 18.6, 9.3, 4.8, 8.0, 6.8, and then he didn't play the last two games. Um, really kind of fell off in a pretty gnarly way. Uh, who drafted this player? Uh, when and where was he drafted? He was drafted in the start, like right in the middle of the fourth round. He was the forty-fifth overall pick in the fourth round. Um, was he on this? Was he on a roster the whole year, or was he? Yeah, yes, he was. He was, he was never dropped. He was on this. He was on this guy's team the entire year. <clears throat> Is it Bill? No, it is Andrew Bennett. Was rocking Raheem Mostert all year. Uh, yeah, Bennett. You know is he you, with the Jets. No, but Mostert's with the 49ers. He like was with them the whole 49ers. time. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh shit. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. And uh, yeah, that one. Yeah, he, uh, you know, Bennett really stuck with him, man. He kept him on his bench. He was injured for one, two, three, four, five weeks. Um, and he just held strong, and it, it, he did not return the favor. Pretty much, he ended up being the running back forty six on the year. So, uh, not the best value for Bennett, but you will see it again. You know, Bennett Bennett usually uh, picks a draft draft strong team, so we'll see if he can do it again this year. But uh, 
that concludes another episode of Dan drafted Monte Ball in the first round. Well done, Joe. One for two. That one was definitely uh, more difficult. And, yeah, I couldn't even tell you what team that motherfucker was on. So Yeah, Mostert is a, you know, he's he's been, he's been a journeyman. We'll see if he can pick it up this year. But, um, well, yeah, that pretty much concludes what I had on the pod. Is there anything you want to share with the team, with the, with the guys before we uh, adjourn here? No, I don't believe so. I think that's all I got. Um, looking forward to seeing everybody in a week. Cheers. Cheers, fellas. Joe, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. defogging all of the college football stuff, and best of luck to you uh, as we head into maybe do some draft prep this year, maybe go win yourself a title. <laughs> I'm going to go back and listen to your you know, <laughs> intro. Perfect. Well, what, I- do we have, what do we have this week? What are we gonna to get to listen to? So this this one is not gonna be very long. This is more like coordinators and kind of like co- coordinators and coaches that I like, how I think about them, and also positionally how I think about value too. So uh, that is on the pod. I, I don't think this one's gonna be very long. Maybe like ten minutes, but uh, that that's on the docket this week. Do you buy extra 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 large T-shirts to fit that big head? <laughs> You know, I you know I think Leslie these days she she uh, she's buying my clothes now, so she takes care of that. But uh, you know, she'd that I'm sure she is honestly. But uh, all right, man, appreciate you. Much love, Joe. Enjoy Take it, it easy. See you in a week. Let's in a week. Let him, my man.